but I remember the call. It was the summer before my junior year of high school. On the other end of the line was my youth pastor, Austin. Our church had planned to go on a mission trip to Dodge City, Kansas. Our youth group was, uh, and there were, we were going to serve alongside a church, and they were putting on a VBS and doing other odds and ends that happens on mission trips. And it was really, really excited. A lot of my friends were going. It was going to be the highlight of my summer, right? Until my youth pastor, Austin, called me that day. And it was the night before we were supposed to leave, uh, and he asked me if I still wanted to go. I'm like, well, yeah. I signed up. Of course I wanted to go. I'm so excited for this trip. And he says, well, everyone else on the trip uh, can't go anymore. For one weird reason or another, uh, and honestly, it doesn't matter, but you're the only one who is still signed up to go on this mission trip. And so I had a choice. Do I choose just to stay home, or do I spend the week with my youth pastor and his wife? And I'm forever thankful Austin made that call to me that day. As a youth pastor, I know how deflating it is to plan an event, to pray over an event, to invite students to not have not very many people come. It would have been really easy for Austin just to say, okay, we're just going to reschedule this until, until more kids can come and more people have the opportunity to come. But Austin, frankly, cared too much about me to make that call. At this point in my life, I was really struggling you may not know this about me, but I am a little bit of a planner. If you walk into my office, you'll think I'm a liar because it is mildly messy, but I like to at least have an idea of what's going on. Where's the trajectory of the next few weeks, months, and years of my life going? And at this point, I had no idea what that was. I was getting ready to go into my senior year of high school, uh, and all of us have been seniors in high school at one point or another. We know the question you get tired of really quickly. What are you going to do next year? Where are you going to school? What are you going to study? And for all those, I don't know, I don't know, leave me alone, right? You get tired of that question even more when you have no idea what is next for you. And I was at that point in my life, so much uncertainty. My parents tell me I was miserable to live with, but they're liars. I'm an angel. The uncertainty was really, really hard for me, the not knowing what is next until Austin called and chose me and I said yes. That week changed the entire trajectory of my life. Austin and Angie invested that week with me, discipling me through serving at the church, through that half cross-country trip to Kansas, because there's not a lot to look at on the way to Kansas, if you've ever driven to Kansas. Not a lot to look at. Eating meals together, late night talks, and so much more. It really showed me what it meant to follow Jesus, and they spoke into the potential that I had as a follower of Jesus. And as we are in the middle of this thank you series, thank you note series that Nate kicked off last week, and we are in this season of thankfulness, I am thankful for Austin and every single person who has discipled me and influenced me in my short 32 years of life here on earth. And if you're anything like me, and I'm sure you are, you're probably thinking of someone or some people right now who have discipled you who've influenced you, led you to be the person that you are right now, led you to be the Jesus follower that you are right now. People helped you get to where you are right now. I'm sure you have those people. And it was more than just just hearing a sermon from someone, right? More than just stage being words thrown at you, but the people who did life with you, 
who cried with you in the hard times, who laughed with you in the happy times, in life walked alongside of you. It didn't have to be forever, but even for the short snippets of life, they didn't just talk at you, they talked with you and they walked with you. We have those people, we all do, because we can never make it to where we are completely by ourselves. And so why are those people important and, and what does it mean for us right now and for you sitting in your living room in the middle of a pandemic? Well, I'm glad you asked. I believe the conversation this morning is central to who we are as Bachelor Creek and who we are as followers of Jesus and is central to the gospel message. And this morning, I want to start out with some of Jesus' final words in Matthew chapter 28. He shares some of his final teachings, his final thoughts with his disciples before he eventually ascends into heaven. So let's turn and read there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And again, these are some of Jesus' final words, so you know they are important. In verse 18, he starts by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Meaning God gave that power, God gave that authority to Jesus to make these commands. It's not just Jesus saying, here's what I think is next, which by the way, he has all power to say that, but God has given him supreme authority, supreme power to say these things. In verse 19, this off starts off with therefore. Jesus is saying, because I have the power, because I have full supremacy to say whatever I want because of God, here's what you need to do. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. This is an active command from Jesus. This isn't one you can passively do from the couch. This isn't something you can passively do sitting in a pew in a church. Making disciples is not something we can passively do. This is something we cannot opt out of as Christians. We can't do it. Go and make disciples. Jesus really doesn't get much more clear than he does here. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And I feel like somewhere along the line, We've gotten this idea that I can be nice to people, I can love my neighbor, I can invite them to church, and you have officially lived out the Great Commission. Friends, I'm sorry, that is not going and making disciples. That is being nice and polite like all the other world can do and simply inviting them to a building. That is not going and making disciples. We too often treat this building and our Sunday morning services and the sermon as the main or maybe even the only route in which people come into a relationship with Jesus. And I'm sorry, that's just not true. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. There have been tons of people, and probably some of you watching have said, I, I came to know Jesus because of a sermon, and that's great. I am glad you did. But I bet somebody personally had a relationship with you and invited you into that building and sat next to you in those moments whether it be a youth retreat or a sermon on Sunday morning, and I bet they just didn't say, all right, you're a Christian, I'm out. They did life with you consistently, and they showed you what it meant to have a real relationship with Jesus. They were intentional with you, and Jesus is saying, listen, it's your turn. 
It's your turn to do the same. He's saying this to the disciples, the people he has discipled and done life with for three years of his ministry. Jesus is now saying, it's your turn. Go and do as I did. Notice Jesus didn't tell his disciples, hey, come listen to me preach. All right, good, you're good. He walked alongside of them. He did life with them. I love in scripture, at one point it says, Jesus went alone off to pray. In the very next line he says, and the disciples were there. So Jesus, in his aloneness, even has his disciples there. He was intentional about his alone time to have them there. And everything Jesus did, he was very intentional about his disciples and raising up people who followed him and loved God above all things. Jesus is saying, go and do this. But I also want to point something out. You know, it says uh, in verse uh, 19, it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything. I want you to understand this, that baptism is not the finish line. Baptism is not the finish line. We can't stop teaching and discipling someone once they give their life to, to Christ. There's a reason Jesus says, baptize and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them to do. Baptize and then teaching. So if you're, if you're watching this morning and you're saying, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get baptized, but I'm gonna get my life right. You're wrong. I don't have my life right. I make mistakes. I can't even live without. I may try to convince my, my wife that I've got it all together and I don't have to follow this command, but she'll tell you she doesn't believe me. I've got a long ways to go, friends, and so do you, and so do we all. Baptism isn't the finish line. It takes a whole life to figure out what it means to really follow Jesus. I'm still trying to figure it out, and I'm sure you are too. So that also means the people you're doing life with, praise God if they get baptized, but the work's only been begun for you. It is still our charge, it is still our call to teach them what it means to live out the commands of Jesus. And I'm thankful I've had people in my life who have done this too. I think of Eric Stewart, who was a friend and elder at the church when I just started in ministry. I met with him and four or five other guys every Tuesday night for about three hours for the four years, six years I served at Caddis. Six years he mentored me, he discipled me, he showed me what it means to be a real man and a husband, and a father, and a follower of Jesus first. And I also think of guys like Brian Leslie, who was my supervisor on my internship and now works at Johnson University and cares enough about me still that we still talk multiple times a year. And all the good interns we've ever gotten, you can thank Brian Leslie, because he, he sent them to us. He loves me that much to give me the best interns. <laughs> right? We have people who are still teaching us in our life. So why does Jesus so emphatically challenge us and call us to go and make disciples? This morning I want to talk through three primary reasons why I think it is important to live out the Great Commission. The first reason is this, so we imitate Christ. I love what Mark Dever says in his book called Discipling. He says this, to be human is to be a disciple. God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice between the discipleship and independence but between following him and following Satan. We are all disciples. The only question is, of whom? I love this. We are all disciples of someone, 
The question is, of whom? And I believe one of the best ways that we can be like Christ is to disciple someone else to be like Christ. And we often, like I said, forget Jesus recruited 12 guys to do life with him. For almost three years, Jesus taught him everywhere he went. And I love, there are moments in Scripture where we, we tell Jesus, we see Jesus telling parables, right? These things that kind of sound weird and confusing. And most of the time after he's done with that, he pulls the disciples aside and says, okay, guys, here's what I really meant about that. Even in those moments, you find Jesus pulling them aside and saying, here's what I really meant, and here's what it means for you as followers of Jesus. Time after time, we see Jesus leading and discipling his disciples. And really all throughout Scripture, we find people mentoring and discipling others from Moses and Joshua to Eli and Samuel to Elijah and Elisha and Paul and Titus and Jesus with his disciples. It's significant all throughout Scripture. We see this example all the way along, and especially in Jesus' life, we see this played out. And if it's important to him, it should be important to us. I love what John 2, 3 through 6 says about imitating Christ. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we aren't in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we have to make disciples. The second reason I believe it is important to live out the Great Commission is this, to help others come into a relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, but if you, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, we are a chosen people. We are royal and we are holy because of Christ. But we weren't always like that. As it says, we were once in darkness. We were once not a people. We were once not receiving mercy, but now we are simply because of Jesus. And because someone showed us and taught us about him. I love the charge God gives Paul and Barnabas, two of the most famous missionaries, almost the original missionaries in Scripture, Paul and Barnabas, two of the first ever people who led so many people to Christ. And here's the charge that we find in Acts 13, 47. It says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. So this is what God has spoken to Paul and Barnabas. He, he tells them this, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, for the people who don't know Jesus, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. God tells them, I have made you a light. That's what you were created for, to be a light to the people who don't follow Jesus so you can bring salvation to them. If you follow Jesus, he has made you to be a light to show others. Don't waste what the creator has created you to do. Why do you think we sing that song, this little light of mine, right? Why do you think we sing that? Because too, too many of us are hiding it under a bushel, getting it blown out by this, that, and the other. 
This is what you were created for if you are a follower of Jesus, to go and make disciples. But here's what I also know. I was once in darkness. And I was once shown the light of Jesus. And I have vivid memories of a lady named Mary Lou Yoakum who would sit in Sunday school class. I had to be super young. My wife makes fun of me because I don't remember like anything from my childhood. Nothing. But I, I can still, right now, in my mind, see myself sitting in those little chairs and seeing Mary Lou Yoakum preach the good news of Jesus to me. I also think of Tammy Johnson. I, went, I grew up going to church camp every summer, and there was one constant every year at church camp. I would get a letter from Tammy Johnson saying, I hope you find Jesus this week. I hope he's made an influence in your life. That was a constant. I knew Tammy would do that. And I, and I also think of this picture. This is a picture of Kyle Musselman and I. Some of you guys may know Kyle. He goes to church here. This is Kyle Musselman and I, and what you don't see here is the person behind the camera, which is Rick Duff. Rick was a volunteer in our youth ministry growing up. He invited a few guys from the youth group to go fishing over at his house. It was the first time I had ever been fishing in my entire life. And we cooked we caught and we ate the fish that night, and I swear it was the best fish I've ever had in my entire life. The best. But he spent countless hours pouring in to this high school bum. He spent countless hours that he didn't have to go into youth group influencing me. And who do you think sat about right over there the first time I preached at Bachelor Creek four years ago? Rick Duff and his family. Now, I'm pretty sure he was holding some fruit ready to throw at me, but that's besides the point. There are people who showed up into our life and spoke the light of Jesus, pulled you out of that darkness and showed you what it meant to follow him. Whenever I think about helping others start a relationship with Jesus, I can't help but think about the woman at the well. So we're gonna look at John 4 real quick and the way Jesus interacts with her, I think is really amazing. John 4, verses 13 and 14. says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never be thirsty. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus, for the first time, is speaking light into this woman's life, a woman who's turned her back from God, who is ashamed because of her sin, ashamed because of her past, is now being shown the light of Jesus, all because someone was willing to influence her, who took the time and spoke with her in the light of day. He could have just grabbed some water and moved on because he was thirsty, but that's not what Jesus was about. Every relationship, every conversation he ever had, he was always intentional. He always did things with a purpose. And I think it's interesting and only fitting how the story ends. What does the woman do after this interaction? Verse 39, it says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the woman's testimony, many people came to know Jesus. And I love the word picture we find in there. It says she literally left her bucket behind. The whole reason she came to the well, she left it behind to go tell everyone she knew about this Jesus who told me everything I, did, I didn't even know about myself. I think some of us, it's time to leave some stuff behind and start telling some people about Jesus. 
and start making disciples. We're too caught up in the here and the now and what's going on in my life. It's time for us to leave our buckets behind and start going and making disciples. We've had excuses long enough. Go and make disciples. She lived out the Great Commission. So the third and final reason why I believe it's important to live out the Great Commission is this. Simply to bring God glory. After all, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything we do in life has potential to glorify God. Everything we do, and what a great opportunity we have when we live out the great commission to the point that we can point everything back to Jesus. We live in such a self-centered world. It's all about me not fair to me what if we stopped worrying about me and started worrying about giving God glory in everything that we did and honestly this idea is fundamentally important to us at Bachelor Creek that's why this conversation is so important you know what our mission here is at Bachelor Creek glorifying God through changed lives we strive to glorify God through lives being transformed and changed and not only others but ourselves as well when we can point to Jesus and say, listen, I once was this, but I'm now I'm this only because of what God has done in my life. Glorifying God through changed lives. It's fundamental to who we are as a church. So how do we try and live out this mission? Let's just look at our vision statement. Making and growing disciples of Jesus. We want to glorify God by changed lives, by making and growing disciples. Ultimately, what we are as Bachelor Creek, we're the Great Commission. That's what we're about, plain and simple. And I believe now, more than ever, we as a church have an opportunity to be the church and live out the Great Commission, maybe more so than ever in the history of the world. Because it seems like people are lonely, unstable, scared, sad, hopeless, and we have what everybody else needs, and that's Jesus. And it's time for us to start meeting the people and making disciples. Instead of being nice, say, hey, watch with us online, or come to us in our building, it's time to start doing life with people so we can give God glory through those changed lives. I think it's important to note that you don't, again, you don't have to have it all together. Our mission isn't glorifying God through perfect lives, but changed lives. Because if it was perfect lives, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be on staff here because I can't even live that out. All God wants is changed lives. And friends, whether you're one year old and you're taking a nap right now or spitting up on mom and dad or you're 99, we all have things in our lives we gotta change. We all have ways and areas in our lives God still needs to be working in our life. Glorifying God through changed lives by growing and making disciples of Jesus. That's what we're about. So are you willing to go and, and, and be a follower of Jesus like he commands? Are you willing to maybe put a mask on if you don't like it and go to your neighbor's house and reach out and speak love and speak Jesus to them every single day even though they're annoyed of you? Are you willing to call a friend who God has placed on your heart and say, listen, this is what God has been doing in my life. I would love to sit down to breakfast with you sometime and talk about it. Are you willing to get up at 5 a.m. this winter 
without being asked to shovel that neighbor's driveway who annoys the crap out of you. Because sometimes that's what it takes to create intentional moments where you can share Jesus when they say, why do you keep doing that, man? Get out of my driveway. Hello, open door to talk about Jesus. Are you willing to be intentional about every single part of your life to help make and grow disciples? Are you willing to spend some time out of your own schedule to mentor a child in need? One of my favorite ministries that we have here at Bachelor Creek is a ministry called Kids Hope. The opportunity, it lends you to spend one hour every single week of the school year to spend some one-on-one time with a kid who needs Jesus. I'm thankful I'm on my second kid. Now I promise he graduated. He didn't hate me and kicked me out. He graduated, and so I'm on my second kid who's a first grader, and I love every bit of this ministry. So honestly, I knew I was talking about this, so I invited Ryan Rosine. Ryan, why don't you come up? Um, to talk real quickly about this ministry and just ask them some brief questions because I believe it is a great opportunity for us as a church to live out the Great Commission through this. Morning, Ryan. Morning. You want to check to make sure that works? <laughs> okay. All right, so Ryan, real quick, I want to ask you first, before we get into Kids Hope, who has been that person who has mentored and discipled you? Just one. Just one. Just pick one briefly. I know you can be long-winded sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, one. I guess... Uh, I'm going to say more than one because okay. I, I was prepared. You to could say beat more me up, so you could do whatever okay. you want. Uh, as, as as a kid, it was my mom and my grandma, um, constant influences in my life. Um, <clears throat> as I became an adult, moved into this church, got into a small group. Um, that small group was led by two people. That guy, which nobody can see, is is Jeff Leslie, and the other one was uh, Brandon Eaton. And those two guys. Um, took my faith to a different level, uh-huh. poured into me, um, made Jesus real, which um, nobody was ever able to do before, um, and they continue to walk with me. Um, like you said, it's not, hey, here you go, it's here we go, and um, those two guys and, and a few others have uh, been consistent in my life for the last 12 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, big those are the big ones for me yeah so so how do you this idea of living out the great commission to going and make disciples how do you try to live that out in your own life um my favorite way probably would be as a parent and then as um as a mentor in kids hope um it gives me the opportunity to impact a life that's very it's it's so simple to do i guess um kids don't you don't need to be much to be something to a kid. Um, like you said, we're all broken. And it's easy to build a relationship with a child um, and make it mean something. And kids understand the value of time. So if you take a time out of, take time out of your day every week just for them, you're building value in them that is very, very difficult for some children to find. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly important. It's the, it's the most basic... Um, basic way to um, disciple like Jesus did. It's one-on-one. It's relationship, and it's simple. Yeah, it's, it's consistency. Even I just started with my kid this, this uh, August, mm-hmm. and I'm amazed every week I have to ask the question, okay, where were you living this weekend? Because mm-hmm. it's somewhere different every right. week, and to be that consistent factor every single week, he knows Monday afternoons from 1230 to 1:30, I'm going to be there, and it's yeah. huge. Um, so what, what, in reality, so give us a little glimpse what does that ministry look like? 
as a mentor, how do you live, the, like, what's, what do you do? To become one? No, like, um, like, I'm a mentor, so this is what mentoring looks like with that mm -hmm. kid. Um, it's, it's showing up once, uh, one day a week for an hour at the school um, and doing pretty much about anything. You can read, play games. It's just spending time with them and essentially um, whatever they want to do. Sometimes we do schoolwork. Sometimes we play games. Um, just spend an hour with them. It's, it's too simple almost. Yeah. So if somebody right now is like, this sounds like a great opportunity uh, for me to do, and I would love to be better at going and making disciples, mm -hmm. what do they need to do right now sitting at home? Right now sitting at home, get on the website. Um, you can scroll to the bottom page of the website, and there's forms, mm -hmm. and you can find uh, Be a Kids Hope Mentor, and there's an application essentially to fill out. You fill that out, and that will be sent to us, um, and then we'll reach back out and, and tell you everything to do next. There's only one, kind of one stipulation. You need to be a member of the church or a regular attender for a year, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people are, most people are. Um, and if you're not, still fill it out, and we can talk and figure out uh, where to go from there. But it's as simple as filling out an application, and after that, there's some online training and a short interview, and you get matched up. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you have any other questions, feel free to call the church office, or you can email mm -hmm. Ryan at rrosine at bachelorcreek.com as well, mm -hmm. and we'll get you set up. Thank awesome. you, Ryan. You take that to give it to Mike. Okay. Thanks. And, and before we, we move on, I just want to say this. If you give to Bachelor Creek, if you tithe to Bachelor Creek, things like kids hope it are possible. The only reason we can do things like that, we can get into the schools, are possible because you give to Bachelor Creek. And not just kids hope, but all of our ministry programs where we seek to go and make disciples, that can only happen because you give. And so, sincerely, like, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to spend an hour a week with Gabe uh, at Metro North. And so, thank you. So, friends... Can you imagine what our community would look like if we all lived out the Great Commission? If we chose to be intentional about our relationships, if we chose to say, I'm gonna be about making disciples, not because I've got it all together, but because God has changed my life. And I want God to change somebody else's life too. People today need you. And so I have two, challenge for you, two challenges for you this morning. First one is this. If you got one of our uh, thankful journals this week, if you didn't pick one up, you can still pick one up in the double doors of our front office. If you got one of those, even if you didn't, find a piece of paper, and I want you to write the names of the people who's discipled you in your life. Spend some time thinking about those people who have mentored you and showed you what it means to really follow Jesus. And then I want you to text them, or write them, or call them, tweet them, whatever it takes. Reach out just to, to take a few moments to say thank you for investing in me and how much God has changed your life because of the influence you had in my life. And the second thing I want you to do today, the second challenge I have for you, is I want you to pick one relationship in your life and start being intentional with it to help create disciples of Jesus. Whatever it is, think about that one person or maybe you, you, you need to pray right now, God, my neighbor, I don't have a relationship with them yet, Help me find ways to start a conversation with them. Whoever it is, maybe it's somebody you know. Whatever it is, choose one relationship in your life and start being more intentional to go and make disciples. And some of us, maybe the opportunity is getting plugged into places like Kids Hope or with Aaron French at Campus Life 
or maybe it's the young moms mentoring and me with Susan Shannon, or Liz down at the Access, or serving in Janet's, or Tyler's, or Nate's, or mine areas here at church. Whatever it looks like, go and make disciples of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much. God, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to the people in my life who chose to disciple me, mentor me, helped shape me into the follower of Jesus that I am today. God, I could have listed a ton more names, but God, I thank you for those people. But God, I thank you for Jesus. Who's the ultimate example in our life of what it meant to go and make disciples. And God, I thank you for the command that he gives us to go and do the same. So God, may we we imitate Christ. May we make disciples of Jesus. And God, ultimately with everything that we are, may we seek to give you glory. Father, we love you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.